Camp here with Matt Kresge and David Keefe as we have we continue day 73 of Shaped by the Word. We're in our third season, and our third season has taken us into the story of the prophets. We're moving, you know, in chronological order, you know, through the prophets, uh, which uh, as the story unfolds, and of course Isaiah spans almost the entire period of the prophets. It's a long, one of the longer other books of prophecy. Jeremiah will beat him out by just a little bit, but he also spends a large, you know, a large amount of time from, you know, warning Israel in the middle of her prosperity that God's judgment is coming, to walking Israel through God's judgment, and to even predicting the final, you know, return. Uh, from the exile, which is the you know the full extent of God's judgment, is they're defeated, their cities are broken down, they're scattered you know, into the, into the nations, and, and finally, as God regathers them, and, and not only do they begin to rebuild the city and the nation, they begin to rebuild their relationship and, and their heart with God. So uh, yesterday we uh, you know, talked about you know God's uh, critique of the leaders, you know, of both uh, you know Israel and. Uh, and, and Judah, you, you remember the nation's broken apart. There, there's two separate nations. Sometimes they're allied with each other. Sometimes they are fighting each other. Uh, but uh, because of the sin of you know Solomon's excesses and Solomon's sons, the nation's ripped into part. And, and so there's already you know this hopelessness, you know, and the vision that God has had to have one people and one nation reflecting His glory and honor in such a way that the nations would stream near to the city of Jerusalem. It feels like, you know, from a, uh, a failed experiment, uh, but it, uh, it, it ultimately is not because it's, it's something that depends on the power of God and not on the power of the people. It is to be that. So we continue. You know, we're really in a we're in a, really in a very hopeful section, but it, it won't always feel like it uh, as, as 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 we get there. So we continue. You know, you moved uh, in rhythm from God's judgment on uh, you know Samaria or Ephraim. Uh, you know, yesterday in chapter twenty-eight, and by this you know by this time you know that's really close chronologically to Samaria having already been wasted and already. You know, already taken into the nations, and now we, in the second half of the chapter, he moved into the judgment on the rulers of Judah. Now he moves into the judgment on their major city, and uh, that's the city of of Jerusalem. So you have the rhythms of judgment, you know, continuing here. So before we read, let's um, honor the holiness of the moment in the presence of the Lord, and our desire to know Him, and His desire to complete in His work in us. Uh, through the means of grace he has given us in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the word that is his very breath and the spirit that he's put in within us that takes his word and makes it uh, makes it ours and brings it uh, to a fullness in our life, not just to a series of applications or a list of things to do, but to the transformation of our hearts. So, David, you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? No, let's pray. Yeah, Father, we do ask as we come to your word, you would help us to... Uh, to see and to hear um, and in doing so we know that's your grace that does that and that in that we would be a people that live and respond to your word in obedience that our hearts would um, would be uh, stirred to worship and, and to delight in your word um, and may we find it um, to be much better than than gold or honey or anything else we find on this earth we, we know your word is is living and active and desires to do a work in us. And so we ask as we turn to it that it would do that work. 
and pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Isaiah 29. <laughs> Woe to you, Ariel, Ariel, the city where David settled. Add year to your year and let your cycle of festivals go on. Yet I will besiege Ariel. She will mourn and lament. She'll be to me like an altar hearth. I'll encamp against you on all sides. I'll encircle you I with towers and set up my siege works against you. Brought low, you will speak from the ground. Your speech will mumble out of the dust. Your voice will become ghost-like from the earth. Out of the dust, your speech will whisper. But your many enemies will become like fine dust, the ruthless hordes like brown ch blown chaff. Suddenly, in an instant, the Lord Almighty will come, the thunder, the earthquake, the great voice, with a windstorm and tempest and flamings of a devouring fire. Then the hordes of all the nations that fight against Ariel, that attack her in her fortresses and besiege her, uh, will be as it was with a dream, with a vision in the night. And as when a hungry person dreams of eating, but awakens hungry still. So when a thirsty person dreams of drinking, but awakens faint and thirsty still. So it'll be with the hordes of all the nations that fight against my Mount Zion. Be stunned and amazed, blind yourselves and be sightless. Be drunk, but not from wine, stagger, but not from beer. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He's covered your heads, the seers. For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed on a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say, read this, please, they will answer, I can't, it's sealed. Or if you give the scroll to someone who cannot read and say, read this, please, they'll answer, I don't know how to read. The Lord says, as people come near me with their mouths, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship for me as based on merely human rules that they've been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who'll know? You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. So what is formed? Say to the one who formed it, you did not make me. Can the potter say to the potter, you know nothing? In a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field, and the fertile field seem like a forest? In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the scroll, and out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord, the needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The ruthless will vanish, the mockers will disappear, and all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. Those also with a word make someone out to be guilty who ensnare the defender in court with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice therefore this is what the lord who redeemed abraham says to the descendants of jacob no longer will jacob be ashamed no longer will their faces grow pale when they see among them, them, them their children the works of their hands they will keep my name holy they'll acknowledge the holiness of the holy one of jacob and will stand in awe of the god of israel those who are wavered in spirit will gain understanding. Those who complain will accept instruction. What a, what a comforting thought that those who complain <laughs> will actually start to listen, you know, to the Lord. That uh, might well include me, uh, you know, among among their number. So you have you know the great reversal, and of course mm -hmm. uh, we're studying the Gospel of Luke right now, and. Uh, we're absolutely amazed, you know, as the angel Gabriel appears to this young peasant, you know, girl in Nazareth and, you know, speaks of, you know, the coming uh, child that will be born to her. And she begins to take all of these prophecies and work them together and, and uh, you know, talk about what the Lord will do. And, and one of the things that the Lord will do is he will 
uh, you know, he will fill the he will fill the hungry with good things, but send the rich away empty. And he will, you know, tumble rulers from their thrones. So it's turning the whole thing upside down. And you see that you see exactly where she gets that. It's the Old Testament prophecy of the great reversal. And of course, Jesus brings it home in a really fine point when he says, "In that day, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first." In God's economy, He has a heart for the poor, for the downtrodden, for the marginalized. And uh, these are the ones who in the end are humble enough to receive and uh, from him the grace offered you know, by his kingdom and by his reign. This is one of those chapters too that just reminds you, I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit, but how the, the prophets kind of shape the you know, social imaginary, if you want to call it that, uh, of the people of the New Testament that, you know, when they, when Jesus arrives on the scene, these promises and and these prophecies have been shaping a people for a long time and they've been waiting in anticipation for the fulfillment of these things and and then just to see how when they seek to you know kind of communicate some of these truths i mean jesus these people come near me with their mouth with their in honor me with their lips with their hearts are far from me i mean we see jesus talk about the pharisees paul is going to use the image of you know the the um the potter and the clay talking in romans you know of the god who forms us and and so just seeing these images get picked up into the New Testament reminds us that, man, they, they lived in an expectation of the fulfillment of these prophecies. Um, but more than that, I mean, they were people who knew these things. They, they, they knew God's word. And, and yet uh, they, they, they heard these prophecies <laughs> the way they wanted to hear them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you come to the time of Jesus, what they're hearing more than anything else from Isaiah is the judgment on the nations. Yeah. And so they're waiting for the Messiah to come and judge the nations. They're not really hearing the section, you know, that we're talking about, you know, right here, the, you know, the, the repentance that must first take place in Israel, yeah. you know, for God's purposes, you know, to be complete. And, and it is kind of a warning, you know, on how, how we read the Bible, how we, you know, I remember one of my mentors said, you know, you should take, take the Bible of, you know, your friend mm-hmm. that believes absolutely the opposite of what you believe and look at what he highlights in his Bible. And he said, it's probably going to be good for you. And what you've highlighted in your Bible is probably going to be good for him, but you're reading through different eyes. And so they, they've missed, you know, this, you know, this part. Uh, these people come to me, you know, uh, with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules that have been taught. Therefore, once more, I'll astound these people with wonder upon wonder. And of course, he's talking about the uh, the Exodus here. Mm-hmm. You're going to see my hot, mighty hand at work. Yep. And, and there's kind of a b- big difference between God's salvation in the Old Testament, the Exodus, and God's salvation in the New Testament, which is the cross. Uh, you you see the powerful demonstration of you know God's power in the Exodus. The the cross is is a little bit more hidden, and uh, so he points to the wonders of the past to give us a hint of the wonder of God's grace. Every bit of power that God has exercised in releasing Israel from you know their bondage, He has exercised in us in Christ, and it's an invisible work. And, and we point you know to you know to that image. And he, and he talks about you know the, their uh, the, their worship is just merely human rules that they've yeah. been taught. They're just going through the motions. They, they say the right things. They have good theology, but my goodness, their hearts have not been touched by their theology. And of course, that's one of the tragedies we've seen. We read yesterday, you know, that, that uh, the, the the word of God's going to come to them. You know, uh, a rule for this, a rule for mm-hmm. that. You know, and uh, you know in the 
uh, ESV, line upon line and precept upon precept. In other words, you're doing word studies and you're getting down to the micro minutia of the word, you know, and you're embroiding these and putting them on, you know, cups and putting on refrigerator magnets and all kinds of things like that. But it's had no effect on you, you know, whatsoever, you know, whatsoever. And again, he says, all, all you have is just a bunch of rules. They're meaningless. Well, I'm glad it's not like that today. On the I level, know right? that that's we have, Old Testament thing. We have moved Jesus well past. We have moved well yeah. past that. And yeah, a, my goodness. No, that's the why condition of humanity yeah, is the same. That's yeah. If we read yeah. the prophet as their judgment on wicked nations of long ago, you know, we we really missed uh, the message of the prophets, which is you know it, it, right there in that passage that. Uh, to quit going through the motions mm-hmm. and to return to the Lord with all your heart. Mm-hmm. Father, we, uh, we thank you that uh, you still beckon us. Uh, when we're far away from you, you still uh, pursued us. And we thank you in the story of Scripture that uh, you pursued us all the way to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and gave us the invitation to come to you in our weariness and, and your promise to give us rest and hope in him. May we be humble enough to do more than just line upon line and precept upon precept. May your word and the incredible vision of your grace we find in it overwhelm us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.